So, Bill, I see that you saw another patient with P. Vera, an 84-year-old man. Can you talk about him? Yes, he's a patient who, again, was stable on hydroxyurea, and then approximately two and a half years ago, or a little bit longer, he began to develop weight loss and substantial splenomegaly. We repeated his bone marrow, and it showed that he had converted to myelofibrosis, and he was one of my earlier patients using rexolitinum because it's over two and a half years ago. And we started him at the standard dose of 10 milligrams twice a day. And he just responded dramatically. And actually, I asked him to tell Ruben the way he described it to me, how he felt literally a week after treatment. And Ruben, what did he say? He said that it was like delivering a baby, <laughs> that now he was no longer pregnant. Wow. He had just massive splenomegaly, and we've been able to keep him under control. He still has a palpable spleen, but his weight is stable. He feels well, and he's had a durable response now for over two and a half years. Any comorbidities, and what is his lifestyle like? He's, you know, elderly. He has atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. He has a pacemaker. At one point, he had to have a replace, so he has a right-sided pacemaker. He sees a cardiologist. You know, he's in it well up in his 80s, but he's ambulatory, comes to the office by himself. His weight has been relatively stable, and he's functioning reasonably well. Any other comments about his case, Ruben? Well, I'd say that in many ways, he again is a great example of kind of the long course myeloproliferative patient's face. Starting with P. Vera, clearly moving toward a post-PV myelofibrosis. You know, it's really a spectrum as opposed to when myelofibrosis hits, you know, it's a dramatically different event. It is a spectrum. I think he really crystallized well the burden of having the disease. I mean, a massive spleen such as is seen with myelofibrosis is very much like a full-term pregnancy. And in some ways, you know, it's more problematic. One, it's off of the midline. So pregnancies tend to be obviously very central with the spine. You know, having an asymmetrical large mass is incredibly cumbersome, awkward, and impacts the organs in a variety of different ways. In a lot of ways, his experience really represents that experience we really like to see when patients are on jack inhibition, a very front-loaded, very rapid, very meaningful benefit from the reduction of the spleen. I think there's clearly a variety of other benefits that come with these therapies, but the improvement in that is really not to be minimized in any way, the tremendous morbidity of that. So in many ways, he really is a poster child. Now, that being said, he too, as we see with all of these patients, you know, they are dramatically better off with jack inhibition. Yet there still are lingering factors which can remain. His fatigue is much better, but it's not 100% gone. He's got mild amounts of anemia that, again, with his age and his comorbidities, clearly can impact on him as well. So Bill and I were discussing, you know, what are other things we sometimes can consider? Patients can be physically active. Sometimes exercise can help. May not be the best situation for this gentleman. There are sometimes individuals have benefited from off-label use of certain stimulants, such as modafinil. This gentleman has a cardiac history. It may not be optimal for him, but sometimes can be helpful for others. As we look at a variety of different combination studies that are tested, you know, one of the incremental amounts of benefit that would be hoped is could you take someone like this and add something in addition that could further improve their benefits. So I think dramatically better off, 
But I think we still recognize there's areas that we would hopefully seek further improvement in the future. What about other JAK inhibitors? I think momoletinib is one that's being looked at in terms of maybe not causing anemia. Is that something that might be a consideration in the future for this man? It certainly could be. Both momolitinib and pacritinib potentially have ability to improve anemia. Both are having their own trials at the moment as second-line indications. Neither are available at the moment, so there'd be no off-label use. You know, but I do think there certainly will be for people, in particular if they're having significant anemia, interest in those alternative JAK inhibitors to see if they are more favorable regarding the cytopenias. So, Bill, he was actually diagnosed originally with the P. vera in 2006 and was put on hydroxyurea at that point in time. As you look back on his course, because he ended up getting marrowed and started on ruxolitinib, I guess it was not until 2012. In retrospect, if you were following him again, do you think you would have intervened earlier with ruxolitinib? You know, his change in his disease came on fairly quickly. It wasn't something that was very slow over a long period of time, although it had to be going on for some period because I was looking back at the measurements. His spleen was 24 centimeters below the left costal margin and extended two centimeters to the right of the midline. But, you know, now that we have something that we can do about it, it makes all the difference in the world when you have a treatment you didn't have before. But sure, I'd be quicker to evaluate and think about making changes now that we have therapies. Again, Ruben, looking back on this course starting in 2006, when theoretically do you think would have been the ideal time to move to ruxolitinib? You know, it's a good question, particularly now knowing the indication in polycythemia vera. You know, I'd say when he started to develop a worsening splenomegaly and other symptoms, it certainly could have been considered. It clearly was not available nor indicated at that point in time, but I think we would probably choose to intervene earlier rather than later you know, if we had that retrospective scope available to us.